Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. So, Tanya, I'm excited. We have a part two. Don't you love it when we have just enough stuff to fill two full episodes in one topic because we both talk so much? Yeah, I actually, (laughs) when we brought up the topic, I thought, hmm, what are we going to talk about with that? And then as I was writing all my notes, I'm like, oh, shit, this is like literally each of these psychological traps could be a whole episode on its own. Yeah, And you know what? They may be in the future. Right? Like we would literally just walk down each path. And yeah, yeah, maybe that'll be 2024, 52 weeks of psychological traps. (laughs) Well, for those of you that didn't jump on the podcast from last week, do go back and listen to it. I talked about, I have four topics and I talked about rumination, avoidance, and emotion-driven behavior. And the last of my topics is self-criticism. And I'm going to start us off. And then Tanya's got some of her own wonderful topics to add onto my list. Most all of us get caught in the trap of self-criticism. We tell ourselves that we're not good enough and or that what we did was not good enough. And we get angry with ourselves for not meeting goals. Or maybe we wanted to exercise and we slept in. Maybe we had a project we were working on and we procrastinated. Maybe you said you weren't going to yell at the kids and you screamed at them at the supermarket. Your self-criticism leads to feeling really bad about yourself. And then it leads into a whole cycle of other psychological traps that you can fall into because we all can be our own worst critic. And if you think about that, if you can't love yourself and be positive about yourself, you really can't love and be positive about anyone else. You have to start with you first. And I know as women, that's really hard because women are just, I don't know why, but we are just programmed to just beat the hell out of ourselves. And, you know, there's so many books out there. I feel like I don't do this to my daughter and I've never seen you do this to your daughter, but a lot of times it's a mother-daughter trap of this self-criticism, you know, and I do know that I've criticized my own body my whole life. And so even though I didn't criticize my daughter's body, she felt the criticism rolling off of me. So anything I said negative about me, she just assumed that meant her too. So when we talk about self-criticism, it doesn't just affect you. It affects your family. It affects your friends. It affects everyone around you. And you know, sometimes people don't even notice the thing you're criticizing yourself about until you point it out. (laughs) Then it's like, oh, you know, I never noticed XYZ about you, but now I do. Or the reverse, they'll be like, yeah, but that's what I love about you. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And then you think they're lying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, but it does affect everyone and people treat their self-criticism like it's a part of themselves, like it's, you know, like it's their eye color, you know, they treat it as something that they own. And even if you've always been your own worst critic, you just don't realize how damaging it can be. I mean, it can literally destroy your own belief in yourself. It can destroy things that you could accomplish because you sit around telling yourself that you can't do something or that you're not good enough to do it. And, you know, I have a friend, Destiny, I don't know if she's going to be listening to this or not. When my book first came out, Badass and Bendy, she wanted me to go on a bunch of talk shows 
shows. And I was so uncomfortable with my body that I didn't want to see myself on TV. So I would not go on talk shows. And she's a marketing person. She already had people to put me on talk shows. I mean, how horrible is that? Now I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, yeah, I kind of love myself now. Whatever. Don't care. But you, it affected me so deeply that I didn't go do some things that now I really regret not doing. Mm -hmm. If you struggle with depression or anxiety or disordered eating or any kind of negative emotion like that, self-criticism just makes it worse too. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's interesting because, and I know that we'll circle back around to, you know, things we can do to help it, but to kind of parallel along with that discussion of sort of that self-criticism is the language of negative self-talk because the two are so closely related. Mm -hmm. However, sometimes that criticism is like outward language. Like maybe you say something specifically to somebody, you're like, oh yeah, well, I don't like that part of myself. Like, right, that self-criticism. Whereas there's also those times where we're stuck in our head having that conversation of, you know, beating ourselves up, but it's more negative self-talk. It's, mm -hmm. it's almost the sneaky kind that people don't around us aren't aware that we're doing to ourselves mm -hmm. right you know and, and you can change try to change the language around it and you know take some of the ownership away from that self-criticism instead of saying you know i'm just really being lazy that's better than saying i'm lazy because if you're saying i'm being lazy that that implies that there's an end to that being lazy if you say i'm lazy you're owning that and you're creating that as part of your identity mm -hmm. so there are things that you can do to try to help with the self-criticism yeah and it has such a deep impact on your self-esteem and your perception of the world. Like you say how much effect it has on people around you. And I mean, I can even attest to this growing up. And I know that you can too. Maybe there's that person in your life and maybe it was you where all you did was talk down about yourself. And eventually people got tired of hearing it and they got tired of trying to pat you on the back and they quit assisting, yeah. right? And I, I know that from my own relationships that there was a certain person in my life that I was like, dude, I can't, I can't carry you anymore. At some point you have to figure out how to love yourself because I can't, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't do it for you. Yeah. Right. And it does become debilitating. So if you think you're in that place, please seek out help. There's crisis lines, there's therapists, there's, you know, reach out and talk to somebody about it because it can really take you down to a deep, deep, dark place. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that you brought up two of the things like the I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. And those are two that specific ones that I wanted to walk the path on because they're so close and yet worlds apart. Like most people are like, well, I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. They think they're the same thing and they're not because typically I'm not good enough is things that you have done that to your point in self-criticism, you're like, well, I'm not good enough because I didn't didn't get the grade I wanted in school, or I didn't get hit the deadline at work, or I couldn't keep a boyfriend for more than three months or whatever it is, but it is self-imposed, right? It's because we put an expectation on it and we didn't meet our own expectation. And by not meeting our expectation, we put upon ourselves that we weren't good enough. Whereas mm -hmm. that 
language of I'm not worthy tends to come out of trauma or it tends to come out of something we've heard from someone else and then we take it in and make it our own Mm -hmm. and then we feel unworthy and usually that comes out of deeper layers of guilt or shame. It can come out of early childhood and it can hang out with you for a long time. It can come out of, you know, awful words that are said during an argument or the likes, but usually I'm not worthy is just a layer deeper because we didn't self-impose it on ourselves, but we took the information that was handed to us and we turned it into our issue. Mm -hmm. When had we been able to look at it through a clearer lens, we might be able to see that it was actually their stuff that they were projecting onto us, but then we took it on. And And that happens a lot. Yeah, but then the Mm -hmm. moment we take it on and make it ours, it sticks right? And that I'm not worthy language, it it comes up all the time, all the time. I can't tell you how many times working through heart chakra stuff, the I'm not worthy shows up Mm -hmm. and it's deep. It's deep seated, right? And when I say it might include some guilt or some shame, you know, a lot of times I'm not worthy is also associated to trauma response. And so it's, you know, usually something else that has caused it, right? Mm -hmm. But both of them are so tricky because negative self-talk, like you said, can fuel maladaptive behaviors like addictions and mental illness. And I'm glad that you brought up eating disorders because it's a huge part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Body image. And I know that we've talked body image before, but man, you walk down the path of this body isn't good enough. And now you are in you can you can fall into a rabbit hole mm-hmm. and it's a dangerous and, you know, one and when you attack the body i mean that's like what the whole world sees you know so that can be very dangerous one thing that does help with self criticism is a loving kindness meditation. If you've never done one before, just look it up. There's a million of them. But generally, it involves, you know, saying phrases like, may I be safe? May I be happy? May I be healthy? May I live with ease? And you do that for, say that for like five minutes. And it really does help. And it sounds kind of corny. But if you do practice any kind of positive affirmation type meditations, if you do that regularly, like daily for a few weeks, you will notice a difference. 100% positive affirmations is on my list, but also is, you know, going back to being aware and being present, challenging yourself to step outside of that language, replace it with positive affirmations, like you just said, talking it out, find somebody to talk it out with somebody that you respect. And then I thought this one was interesting. It was put it on the shelf for Mm -hmm. a specified amount of time, not indefinitely, but put it on the shelf for now, not yours to play around with until you are able to look at it and address it with a clear mind, focusing on the present moment, affirming with positive affirmations through journaling. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> and then also... Tanya said the J word. The J word. <laughs> and then also considering a gratitude meditation, because when you look at things through the eyes of grace and gratitude you see yourself differently Mm -hmm. as well. But then I thought what was cool when we were talking or when I was investigating tools to help with the I'm not good enough, the first thing that I found was check the evidence. And I was Hmm. like, oh, now I like that because most of the time we can't prove it. Mm -hmm. We're just like, well, I'm not. I'm not good enough. What do you mean I need to have a reason? I'm just not. Well, no, like show me the evidence because I 
I'm 100% sure I can refute it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know, one thing you could also do is replace your inner critic with a neutral voice. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of doing the affirmation, my my hair is lush and gorgeous if you hate your hair. What if my hair is fine? What if, what if I'm wrong? Instead of making it positive affirmation, just make it a neutral yeah, and see if that might be easier. That's, yeah, that's like, you know, refuting your own argument. And I like mm-hmm. that. But also one of the things that came up was stop comparing yourself and we can do a whole episode <laughs> on that as well, which can is like- we? Yeah, I would love to do that. That's a <laughs> Which be, is that'd be like, a great one. Everything I came up with, I was like, oh, shit, I better not go too deep into this or we'll be stuck again. But one of them is stop comparing yourself because the whole I'm not good enough a lot of times comes out of our own unfair comparison of ourselves to somebody beside us who has a completely different set of tools and a completely different set of background. And it's not fair for us to imagine that we should have their perfect life. Yeah. Right. And then I think the other one, too, is to take time. And I did have done this recently with a couple of my clients in the Reiki room is to assign them a journal assignment of listing their strengths and uh, listing their accomplishments because sometimes we forget we've done mm-hmm. a lot of shit in our life yeah right and give yourself credit for it for Pete's sake right mm-hmm. I just like that. because you screwed up today doesn't mean you are a complete screw up Mm-hmm. Right. You know, people don't remember the good things they've done. You know, most people don't. And so that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah, 100%. And then the other one was, and I think this one was interesting because I had a warning above on, you know, when I had said the number one thing was check the evidence. And I put a note there that says don't rabbit hole this because you can get stuck refuting yourself until you refute yourself all the way back to nowhere. Right. Mm-hmm. But then on the, the next item, it was like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen if you continue to be not good enough, right? And I put that in quotations because it is self-imposed, right? Mm -hmm. But then it's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And it literally said, you can rabbit hole this one. Like, take it down the rabbit hole. Okay, so you're Mm -hmm. not good. You're not good enough. Okay, let's talk about it. What are you so not good at? Tell me all (laughs) of it, please. Tell me every detail Mm -hmm. because quickly you realize that conversation isn't as long as it seems like it is in your Mm -hmm. head. And probably pretty stupid. Yeah. Oh, 100% (laughs) it is because then you start to realize, wow, like I do sound ridiculously petty, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is interesting. But then it was the the last one is what to do to improve how you feel and take a break, self-care, yoga, talk to a friend, find a therapist, do something that Mm -hmm. brings you joy. Like it's all the things that we've already mentioned mentioned and all the things that we've already talked about. You know, I had one more tool for self-criticism and that a lot of times, like if you have something that like, if you're criticizing the fact that, you know, I'm really a bad friend, I don't stay in good touch with my friends. Instead of obsessing about that, obsess about the gentle lesson in that. Obsess about the fact that you are such a good friend that you want to nourish friendships. Or if you're upset with yourself because you don't go to yoga enough, focus on the fact that you're aware and that you want, you you obviously have a desire for a healthier lifestyle. So if you can find the good, those self-criticisms, and there's always something you can turn to the good. Oh, 100%. I say that all the time when I'm talking with students about, you know, you're nine tenths, you're nine tenths the way if it's already in your mind, because I promise you, there's a whole bunch of 
people out there who aren't thinking about whether or not they contacted their friends. And there's a whole another bunch of people out there who aren't thinking about going to yoga or going to exercise or going to do anything. So you're already nine tenths the way. Huh. Then you just have to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So then that brings me to <laughs> sort of the last one of the psychological traps that I had, and that's the imposter syndrome. Mm, that's a big know, one. Yeah, I know you and I have talked about this. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And we have to try and be careful not to go into, you know, episode 45 of Psychological <laughs> Traps. But it really is impressive how since I know that the term imposter syndrome has been around for a long time, but I feel like it's coming up more and more recently. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because, you know, it goes into this world of, you know, we're in this world of health and wellness and, you know, authentic yogic life. And when we continue to hear that word authenticity, that we question our own validity. And part Mm -hmm. of that shows up in imposter syndrome, right? It shows up in the form of we question our achievements. Well, I did that, but was that as good as what she did? Or, mm-hmm. you know, I did that, but is it, you know, is it the right thing? Like, is it validated by the right people? You know, like all right. of a sudden we just get stuck in our head mm-hmm. about whether or not we are, you know, whether or not we are authentic or not. Mm-hmm. And it's because I think we hear it so much. And then the whole conversation is, is, well, are you a fraud? Well, I don't know. Are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) Right. Well, and you know, what's interesting is most people that have imposter syndrome are high achievers. 100%. And I find that so interesting. Because the goal is to be something, right? To be, and that's when we question ourselves is whether or not we actually did it through the right means. Did we step on anybody on the way? Did we do all of the things we were supposed to do? Like, it's just this whole whole mind of questioning and it's this path of you know well maybe I don't deserve to be I got there but maybe I don't deserve it or you know like I mean it's just a whole load of emotional traps that Mm -hmm. go into imposter syndrome really the biggest thing to pull yourself kind of out of it is to recognize that it doesn't work to continue to think this way you're literally not going to get anywhere Mm -hmm. and as overachievers if we remind ourselves that this isn't going to get you to the next place. A lot of times it's enough for us to shut ourselves up because we're like, oh yeah, because I need to keep going, right? We Mm -hmm. forget, right? And accept that imposter syndrome is ridiculously common and that you're not alone because the person (laughs) next to you who you think you're an imposter because they look so amazing are probably sitting in their skin thinking they're the imposter because you look amazing, Yep. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's also just making sure that you're checking the scale at which you're rating yourself. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times the scale you rate yourself at is much more extreme than the scale of averages. Mm-hmm. Right? The other is don't buy into it. When you hear it come up, try and talk yourself clean out of it, whether you have to use a neutral affirmation or a positive affirmation, but try and talk yourself back out of it. And then of course, be present. If you really get stuck into it, really get into it, get into into a meditation, get into journaling and put on paper what are the things that you do know that you are good at and put on paper the things that are proof that you are not an imposter. Mm-hmm. Okay, I actually bled my heart into writing that book. I am not a fraud. 
I put it on paper. Now, yeah. if when you do that, you're like, oh, well, I didn't give credit there when that was somebody else's work, then fix it. Yeah. It doesn't mean you are done. It means you need to fix it and then move forward. You know, and I see this a lot right now because I've got a teacher training class going on. And it's amazing to me, this group that I have now, they're in all of my groups are incredible, but this group's really, they're all just natural teachers and all of them feel like they're imposters. They all, all of them feel like the person beside them is better. And so I feel like that we see this a lot in not just yoga teachers, but any kind of teacher that's sharing their expertise because you are, you know, the only thing you're a true expert in is yourself and your feelings. But, you know, we do see this a whole lot with teachers in the writing community that I'm a part of. I don't know one single writer that doesn't feel like they're an imposter. Every single one of them, no matter how many books they have published, they feel like they're an imposter. So it's just find it very interesting, you know, and I don't know how we stop that you know, except some of the tools you've given, but you know, all those, you know, that negativity, you know, it's evil. Yeah. Well, the fact is, is human nature includes comparison. We have eyes mm -hmm. and with our eyes, we see, right. And with that, you know, comes that whole conversation of anytime you enter into a conversation where somebody says something about the next person, a lot of times you go into your head, well, did they say that about me? Like, <laughs> right. Like it's, it's just human nature. It crops up and it crops up a lot and it, mm -hmm. I feel like much more now than ever before but it does bring us back to that place of we have so many tools now especially when it comes to the psychological warfare we hold upon ourselves whether it is negative self-talk whether it's rumination or avoidance like we know it usually mm -hmm. we know it but we're just like oh yeah yep that's what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna do it today because today I feel mad and I want to ruminate right like we literally give ourselves permission to do it mm -hmm. we think that it's going to get us somewhere and it doesn't you know but if we are just creating if you and i are just creating the awareness for people if you're aware even if you're doing it if you're like you know what that's what i'm doing even if you continue you've created that little spark that lets you know that you recognize what you're doing. And that's the first step to helping yourself stop. 100% recognizing it is the first step. And it's like the seeds of all the things, right? We have the tools. And I tell people, you've already had that tool. Like, all you have to do is pick it up and use it. Except for <laughs> the fact that a lot of times we don't. And like I said today, you know, I, I like literally looked around. I'm like, well, where are all my tools? Instead of looking inside. Yeah. Right? And when you get hung up, that's the trap is that you forget the tools already inside you. But recognizing it's the first step. The mm -hmm. second step is actually putting the tool to good use and to try and get yourself out of the mindset because it's not getting you anywhere. Yeah. Right. Positivity, friends. You can do it. Get your meditation books out. Get your journals out. Sit down. Spend some time and go inward. Investigate. Well, I only have the one book that I wanted to mention. It's the Practicing Happiness Workbook by Ruth Bayer. And it's how mindfulness can free you from the four psychological traps that keep you stressed, anxious, 
and depressed. Mm. Yeah. And it's got all kinds of wonderful little worksheets and understanding patterns and a lot of a lot of cool stuff. And if there's any teachers out there that wanted to use that as a something with a workshop, they've probably got lots of tools in there. You could use that for that too. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I am Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Pittas on a Pod.